It's just, it's driving me nuts. Not driving me nuts, but I just find it hilarious that you've run into this particular situation enough. <laughs> eating leftover garlic bread. <laughs> that one, you like, think of it as a cliche. Uh. And two, <laughs> you have you have gone through and exerted a ton of effort to find a quick and efficient solution. Yeah. Well, a lot of times I'll have leftover garlic bread. And hey man, you know, like when you're just reaching in the fridge and you grab that leftover garlic. No, I don't. I don't know what that's like. Usually, I'll put it in the microwave or something, and yeah. it's just like no, it's just warm and mushy. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, it's not anything like it was whenever it was fresh. Yeah. But, dude, I don't know why I've never thought of this. But the toaster, man, it just, it's a game changer. Toast, uh, toast your leftover garlic bread, you won't regret it. Professional Appreciators brought to you by Garlic Toaster. I appreciate leftover garlic bread that's been heated correctly. I really do feel like this is an ad read for like yeah. a toaster specifically you... made for garlic bread. <laughs> Which is like the most have niche. You ever, have you ever had leftover garlic bread? It's the most niche. <laughs> it like starts off as it starts off as such a natural thing, and yeah. then and then it turns into <laughs> yeah. a product. They're gonna run that commercial at four twenty-two a.m. Yeah, because that's people who. What run else into can that I situation. put in this toaster? Yeah. You just put everything in it. Man, golly gee, mom, leftover garlic bread again? It's always soggy, mom. And then like some wacky character bursts through the door and was like, not anymore. Garlic bread, man. Garlic, it's like a giant toaster. <laughs> hey, but, he has, but he has an Italian accent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to attempt it. I'm no, Italian. No, I don't no. even want to attempt an Italian accent. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well <laughs> hey welcome to professional appreciators we're just two regular movie fans with professional equipment um there's a lot of movies out there a lot of tv shows it can kind of be overwhelming to figure out what to watch that's what we're that's what we're here for to help you figure out what's worth uh watching that's right and to recommend how to best warm up your leftover garlic bread, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's also yeah. something that this podcast is good for. Yeah, uh, uh, there, there's to... a shadow peering at us <laughs> in the window. <laughs> it's just your dad peering in a silhouette. Anyway, what I wanted to bring up was I feel like in the first two episodes, we never mentioned how you can consume this podcast. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening right now on audio. Yep. Just want to let you know, you can watch this on YouTube. Just go to Why It's Great, the YouTube channel, and you can watch all our episodes mm -hmm. in video format. Or if you're watching on video, finding us on YouTube, you can go to any of your podcast apps and listen in yep. the car, in the shower. My choice is Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. I'm maybe a Spotify, your choice bro. is Spotify. Yeah. Spotify, Apple. It's on Fireside if you, for some reason, like to go there to listen to your yeah. podcast. Well, I mean, Fireside can host it, but it's also like the distributor, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we're fancy. We're on Fireside. Yeah. That's how you, again, that's where professional the, appreciators. That's, that's where the, the professional part podcasters is. go to oh, yeah. put out there. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, as you can see, wherever you're watching this or listening to it, uh, look at our graphic. Shout out to my brother, yeah. Dan, for making the graphic in like 30 minutes. Dan the man. Um, here's the thing that I discovered. 
I was trying to make like a temporary graphic on my own. I am not a graphic designer. Yes, nor am I. I'm not trained in this art form. There are some things I can do. Graphic design is not one of them. Mm -hmm. I found a new way to get my brother, who is a professional video editor and graphic designer, to make things for me. It's just just to Uh. try myself really poorly and send it to him and like force him to do it himself. Because all day, a couple days ago, I'm like... I'm like finding these free like graphic design <laughs> apps and like trying to like make something out of stock templates. Dude, I can see him having like yeah. a really hard time yeah. with watching you struggle. Well, like, it's like I send one to you and you're like, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I send it to Dan. He goes, no, try again. <laughs> <laughs> or he goes like, no, the first time I send it to him and he goes, okay, uh, make the background white and then make, uh, the spacing between professional appreciator like wider yeah and i was like dan it's a it's a free app i can't make any of these changes (laughs) and so then i i try something else and i'm like what do you think about this and he just goes no (laughs) (laughs) just it's like okay and then i said i said him one more and he goes let me try (laughs) he just texts let me try so the new way is to just yeah send him horrible graphic design ideas And he'll just knock it out for you in half an hour. I don't recommend just like cold calling my brother into like making stuff for him. But if you really wanted to try, I think you should just submit your poor attempt. I think we'll probably be okay as long as you don't like put his phone number on the screen and like say it out loud or something. I think we're fine. Like I just feel bad asking him to do stuff for free for us or me, even though he is my brother and you know, there is that kind of brotherly obligation i mean he is a pro though you know so i feel bad but like it worked i ask him stuff all the time yeah i text him all the time yeah i'm like for like probably stupid stuff i'm just like hey how do you do this so like he's always really nice if i if i turn the knob to on it's on right i'm like no 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 i'm like hey man i got a bag full of leftover garlic bread. Yeah. <laughs> How would you eat this up? <laughs> he didn't suggest the toaster though. So. No. If I had a toaster oven, that would probably be a good way to do it too. Oh, yeah. Dude, why not just like, yeah. No, just go. I've never had a toaster oven in my life. Go straight to the oven. Yeah, but that takes longer. Yeah. Because you have to wait for the oven to warm up. That's true. But if you had like 12 leftover garlic breads. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. If you have a obscene amount of leftover garlic bread, yeah. then you could do it that way. I still need to know these situations you're getting into. Where you, where was it from? Well, Real quick, we don't have to spend too much time. Car- on this. <laughs> Carly just got garlic bread from the grocery store, and she bought you know another one of yeah. pet peeve. One a pet peeve of mine with garlic bread is it never seems like there's enough garlic bread. Yeah. So she always buys enough garlic bread to her mm. credit. Yeah. And we had some leftover. That's it. You know. That's yeah. that's what happened. Okay. Normal scenario. You guys got a garlic. I'm not bread in dealer. this. I'm not in this situation where I like have a garlic bread factory in my basement that's pumping out like loaves of garlic bread at you're all like, hours. You're of the Breaking day. Bad, but garlic <laughs> bread version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Okay. Well, this podcast is about movies. I think <laughs> not garlic bread. I think slowly, it's gonna become us introing with movie discussion and then the next hour will be right random things that happened in our lives instead the, of now the past it's two we've introed with food so yeah kind of okay. a good so kind of a good theme the other day i gave you a suggestion for what we should talk about today yes you did and i think that's what we're going to go with i like is it i think it's cool favorite film moments 
now that's that's deliberate wording favorite not best yeah favorite film moments that's right and when i suggested it to you i didn't realize how large of an undertaking this was sure yeah yeah because i forgot there are literally millions of movies so many movies many of which i enjoy let me ask you a question real quick about movies and films (laughs) okay (laughs) sometimes you say films and mm-hmm. sometimes you say movies. Yeah. Do you mean different things when you say the different no, words? No, it's just trying not to be like monotonous with or redundant. I'm just curious because a lot of times I'll say film. Yeah. Whenever I mean that it's a movie that I think is artistically like yeah, sup- like has no, has like saying. a deeper message. Yeah. And I'll say movie sometimes whenever I'm just like it's like casual. Like yeah. It's a movie. Because like it's if just, I'm referring to something movie. the Farley Brothers made, I'm not gonna say film. This is a film. Yeah. I'm yeah. Gonna say like a Farley uh, Brothers. Movie. I mean, unless like Dumb and Dumber. Like. So it, you mean the brothers, not just yeah. the one. Yeah. Well, gotcha. the one ended up making Green Book. He made some film. He's made some films. Which, if I was the other Farley brother, and I was like, "What the? I work with you my whole <laughs> life. No Oscars. You work without me once. Oscar? Dang. Yeah. Tragic. No, I was just going back and forth because i just don't want to repeat one over and over again so we're so this is just movies and film yeah not tv shows or anything like that oh for our podcast or for just for this episode for this episode i was just limiting it i'm gonna limit it to just films which is (laughs) so many options oh man you're really putting me in a box no it's just favorite (laughs) movie and or film gotcha your word of choice gotcha moments okay sorry i derailed you there for a second go on I didn't realize how big of an undertaking this was, but I think I yeah. have a good amount that I want to talk about tonight. Me too. I think I have a, a couple good ones. Okay. I'm excited about. Awesome. And again, it's just personal favorite. I pick yeah. stuff that one, I felt I had enough to talk about Two that I thought genuinely displayed like some kind of craftsmanship or like really mm-hmm. impressive filmmaking technique but then ultimately the criteria was just does it mean something to me right and so a lot of stuff is going to be left out and that's okay because it's about what matters and what means yeah. the most to us well and, and hey, you can tell us yours later yeah tell us yours let us know what are your favorite movie moments because yeah. there's a lot of movies that we haven't seen and yeah. a lot of movies we want to see so and also maybe I, cause me personally, I know I'm going to go home and think of like yeah. 20 movie moments that I wish I would have mentioned. So yeah. maybe there'll be a part two or something. Yeah. I'm going to be in the shower tomorrow. Like a space. Oh. Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Uh, no, but, uh, do you want me to start? Yeah, you go ahead. I'll, I'm excited to hear yours. Cause I've, I think I've hinted to you what I think, what some of mine are and I'm excited to hear yeah. some of yours. Okay. So I came up with like five or six that I wrote down. I think I'm just going to try and talk about three so we don't have like a two hour podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. But like there was a lot to consider. Uh, one, just in passing, the mirror shot in contact. Mm, the opening. Is this the one where she's running up the stairs? Yeah, it, it, it starts Dude. as one take. She's downstairs checking on her father mm-hmm. and then she runs up the stairs. And then when she gets close to the bathroom, you realize you've been watching the shot through the mirror, but then you go, that's impossible because the shot started downstairs where the mirror couldn't see. Yeah. And it's a shot that baffles me and I still don't know how Zemeckis did it. Yeah. But other than the like just impressive craftsmanship, 
Yeah. That's just all it is. So it's unbelievable. that's not one of them, but that's one I was thinking about. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the Godfather. I've really loved the communion cross cutting scene with the murder. How like, um, his child's baptism is crossed with like mm. this, like this hit, this mob hit. Yeah. I really like that moment, but you know, there's suffice to say there's a lot of stuff, but yeah. Really what it comes down to is moments or scenes that I think about all the time. Right. And if, and I think the movie moment that epitomizes that the most is the opening to Blue Velvet. Mm, Okay. So I have not seen Blue Velvet. Okay. Well, it's not really a spoiler because it's just like the very opening shot. No, I'm not worried about you spoiling it because I think I kind of have an idea of what goes on, but that's one that has like. Yeah. evaded me for some reason it's i think it's one of my favorite movie openings not really because like it's like bombastic and like just like just like blows your mind i just think it's so efficient and it's the best way to start the movie knowing what the film's about if that makes sense like knowing what the themes are about i mm-hmm. think he opened it the best way possible right and when I think about the opening to Blue Velvet, one reason I can't stop thinking about it is not only is it effective within its own movie, I think the opening to Blue Velvet is a great microcosm for what David Lynch is trying to say in all of his films mm. and even in Twin Peaks. Yeah. So I think on the video format of this, I might show a little clip of everything we talk about. Right. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe I get lazy. (laughs) So uh, maybe if you're watching on YouTube, I like show the clip. But for those of you who haven't seen it, Blue Velvet opens with this kind of like picturesque, think like 1950s Americana, even though it's not set in 1950s. But it has that like 1950s Americana feel where like everything is wholesome. And so you see this white picket fence and you see these bright red roses and then you see, you know, like, I think it's a fire truck or or a mail truck, something like that. Like, okay, it's like Americana, white picket fence, beautiful lawns. There's a fire truck. There's a man waving. It's very friendly. But there's something off about it. Like, you know how, like, some things are, like, almost too nice? Yeah. There's this unca- uncanny val- uh, valley feel to it where it's like, okay, this is close to reality, but off just enough that it unsettles you. Right. And then it pushes in on the ground. And then you see a like a human ear detached from someone's head, just laying in the grass. And then it pushes in even more. And then you see like maggots and worms eating at it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not like the first person to make this connection, but I think what David Lynch is trying to get at is America is trying to throughout its history put up this this picture of itself which is we are white picket fence people we're a friendly neighborhood mm-hmm. we wave to the mailman we wave to the fireman everything's great everything's copacetic but then underneath that sheen mm-hmm. is rot and decay yeah and america is a country that often ignores its seedier nature and doesn't bring it to light and i think what david lynch likes to do in a lot of his films and in twin peaks yeah is expose the the um 
dual levels of not only America, but like American consciousness. Of yeah. There's what's going on up here, what's being shown. Yeah. And then there's the reality, the underbelly. And how he opens it, it's just so effective to the story Blue Velvet is telling, which is about this like young adult man kind of thrusting into this mystery that he shouldn't be a part of. And right. Like being kind of like naive to how bad things will get and how dark this mystery will go. Right. And seeing like what's actually behind the surface of his picturesque Americana town. Yeah. And you should just watch Blue Velvet in general, but it's just something I think about all the time. It's been on my list for a long time. Yeah. So that is one of my favorite movie moments. I think it's a very effective opening to the movie. I think it's uh, indicative to what David Lynch is trying to do in general with a lot of his films and with his TV Mm -hmm. work. And so it's just like, chef's kiss perfect yeah i love it wow that sounds amazing now it's i been want, on my now i want to watch it it's been on my watch list for so long and i haven't watched it and i really really want to watch it now yeah that sounds incredible i uh i think that my first one will come as no surprise to you I whatsoever know what movie it's gonna be because it's one of my favorite movies of all time yeah uh it is heat. Zach and it's, Marie no. make a porno. Oh. <laughs> no, it's okay. it's from the movie Heat. It's the shootout scene downtown. Mm. It's um, I mean, it's just super intense. It's like a really intense scene. Yeah, some of the detail in it is just really cool. Like, obviously, the whole movie is like a world that Michael Mann has built. that all the characters within that world operate and feel very real. And I could talk about heat for a long time about like how Michael Mann wrote it and like where Mm -hmm. it came from. But I think that scene in particular, um, it comes from, it's, it's kind of based on how the real Neil McCauley in, in real life kind of met his end. Yeah. Uh, the movie is, you know, it changes, that idea but but how he met his end in real life was something very similar to that um kind of a robbery gone wrong and then he was chased down Mm -hmm. by the police and killed but uh um in that just kind of some tasty little tidbits of of that scene um and one of my favorite parts about it is the sound of that scene yeah um it's like the gunshots are so loud and like horrifying sounding if you if you're like sitting there and you've been watching the t the the movie at like a normal volume the whole time it's like that gun scene starts to happen that fight scene starts to happen can you imagine that scene in dolby (laughs) oh my gosh no dude it's like cinema that it's like that scene starts to happen and you just start to like i just find myself like inching forward in my chair just like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it just draws you in but apparently michael mann uh, they were listening to gunshot sounds in the editing room yeah. for that scene. And he was like, where are the original gunshot sounds? And they were like, we can't use those. They sound like too weird and echoey and crazy. And he was like, no, we need to use like the actual sound of yeah. the the gunfire, like bouncing off the buildings downtown because it sounded like so intense and so crazy. So they actually... 
the gunshots in that scene were recorded live downtown LA that day. Cause I actually recorded in downtown LA. Like they closed down streets and recorded yeah. in downtown LA. And that's like just the sounds of them recording the actual scene. So it's just microphones like picking up all that sound and it was loud and chaotic and muddy and crazy. And I think it's perfect for the scene. Yeah, so I, I just really like the sound in that, in that scene. It's crazy knowing that because what, what was he 1992 uh 1990 yeah i think i forget 90s. the year yeah i yeah. forget the year Heat comes out in the early 90s and not only at the time was that like a new and different way to like present the sound of gunshots on screen it hasn't really been replicated that often no it and hasn't when i watched it for the first time i was taken aback at just how loud and visceral those gunshots were even though the scene takes place outside but still like it really does feel like they're echoing um 95 yeah it feels like the guns are plugged into an amp yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's 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 it, crazy that no one's done that i since. remember seeing um well i think very few people get to actually film in the location yeah. i think filming in downtown la is insanely difficult yeah uh, for many reasons i'm sure as you can imagine but I think they had the opportunity to do that. So they were like, yeah. we actually have the sound of gunfire bouncing off these there's, buildings. There's no movie score during that scene, right? I don't think no, so. I, don't I think, think it's so. just the gunshots. Yeah. And one of the arguments for the editors that were doing the sound was like, you can't hear the lines. Like you can't hear what anybody's saying because of the yeah. gunfire. And he's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, that's because that's, in a shootout, people are really paying attention to what each other <laughs> in is In a saying. shootout, you can't yeah. hear anything. So, yeah, yeah I, I just think that that's one of the coolest. <laughs> what was that? You put it in a toaster? <laughs> you, put, you put the garlic bread in a toaster? <laughs> that's genius! That's genius. <laughs> what? That's genius! <laughs> I said, in a toaster! <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, but that's a super cool scene. Uh, I heard that... Uh, Val Kilmer in that scene, that reload, that shot mm -hmm. of his reload, yeah. that um, like military has used that scene to train people to like, if you can't reload faster than Val Kilmer in this scene, nice. then, you know. I want uh, everyone listening to know that Evan loves that scene so much and the details surrounding it that <laughs> he has multiple times asked me if I know about how that scene was filmed <laughs> and how the gunshots were like live recorded and uh, each time i have to have been like oh yeah yeah i, I, did I know that. that i've said it before and i ah man i know i'm so annoyed like, with it i know i just like that movie so I know the first much time i watched it with you you said it i think you mentioned it randomly as a fact some other time we were talking and then the most recent time we watched it with your brother-in-law you brought it up again which was fair because Cal didn't know. He didn't know. But I'm sitting there like, I've heard this stinking, <laughs> this stinking movie fact so many times. Yeah. But well, you know what? It's a good one. It, it's I good love one. it. I think it's, I just think it's so fun. I think it's so cool. Is he like the best movie? It might just <sighs> Man, be the best movie. It's up there as one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Uh, for sure. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's probably one of the movies I've seen the most number yeah. of times. 
I probably watch I I rewatch it probably like once every yeah. year. I I it's you know it's one of those dude bro movies that part of me is like yeah. I don't want to admit I love, but yeah. also like it has legit depth to it. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Mann is an artist. Well, but he's also kind of critiquing the dude bro. He is critiquing idea. Yeah, yeah he's so I I really really like that movie, and there's a lot of heart and time that went into the writing of that script. Yeah. So there's just a, there's a lot of, um, subtext to everything that's going on. Yeah. In that it's movie. really like no guy should, should watch that and go like, yeah, I, I want to be that like lonely, independent no. warrior man guy. And it's like, no, like the movie is going out of its way to like depict how sad it is that men isolate themselves in service to some kind of like code or, yeah. um, kind of superficial goal and like how all the men in that movie betray the women closest to them for stupid reasons. Yeah. And they all fail because they like chose that like superficial, I don't know, duty, honor, calling, insert you, duty. When, no, no, no. When you said it, I thought you meant dude, bro. Oh, dude, bro. And dude, you said bro. duty. And I was like, does he mean dude? dude? No. Like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, the all state guy, his, his, his woman's like, yeah. Don't do it. And then he goes, dead. Pacino. Yeah. Danny Trejo. Pacino, his um, adopted daughter. I don't know. Yeah. She's like calling out for help. He's ignoring her. He's ignoring his wife. His wife like cheats on him just to get his attention. Yeah. And then the same thing with De Niro. De Niro yeah. has this new relationship he found and he could be happy, but he can't let it go. Leaves her in the because dust. Because men are drawn to being this isolated warrior trope. And Mm -hmm. he is just like pointing out how stupid it is while also telling an engaging story. Yeah. So he, yeah, like the best movie. Also kind of that pervasive theme throughout of there's a very, very thin line of difference between the thief and the, and the hero. Yeah. So very interesting movie and I won't go on about it because yeah. then this we, will turn into a two hour podcast. We really could have started a podcast solely about heat. Just starting from the opening scene just, where he gets off the train all and about sees heat. the stage. Yeah, we could have. Got great. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that is man. one of my favorite That's movie moments. That might be the best movie. That moment. might, <laughs> it may be the best yeah. of all time improvised by Al Pacino. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. All right. What's well, your next one? I'm trying to think what my next one would be. Um, Oh, you know what? Yeah, I think I I think I got it. Um, I just want to make sure I don't forget one. I have my next two picked out. Yeah. Oh, that's a Christmas list. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? I really don't want to open this can of worms. I don't. I we shouldn't. <laughs> but the answer is, I don't. Is it Die Hard? No, no it's not Die Hard. <laughs> I was going to say it better not be Die Hard. I, I feel like my, I have like such a pretentious answer, which is, um, just spit it out. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it now that I think about oh, okay, it. Okay. Um, hold on. Uh, oh, eyes wide shut. <laughs> eyes wide shut is a Christmas movie and it's the best one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> oh my okay. gosh. So, um, one of my other favorite movie moments uh-huh. also happens to be from one of my favorite movies. Mm. It is the ending monologue in Blade Runner. 
Oh. Yeah. 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 I I love Blade Runner for a lot of reasons, but again, going back to the idea of like things I think about all the time, I think yeah. about the gravitas and emotion that single monologue adds to the movie and how it retroactively like brings emotion to the whole film, even though like most of the runtime, it's a pretty cold movie Mm -hmm. and Blade Runner is one of those movies, the original, not 2049 where you, if you watch it for the first time, you might be a little like, what, what is the big deal? Mm -hmm. Because, um, Decker, uh, played by Harrison Ford is kind of like a really boring protagonist. Honestly, he's very blank for a reason. He is someone who may or may not be a robot an android a replicant and some people think they have the answer to that question yeah and so knowing that his characterization makes sense but i think it's really moving that in a movie about you know a man chasing down these replicants because they're not allowed to live and it raises this idea of like are replicants real are these androids human Mm -hmm. are they not do they deserve to live yeah there's all these ideas about creator versus creation Mm -hmm. and how the creator of the androids um is very um hostile and Mm -hmm. apathetic to their fate Mm -hmm. whereas the androids are yearning for life and compared to the other human characters the replicants almost seem like they want life more than the humans even though the humans don't think they even live right and then you you get to the end where um uh oh what's his name Beatty? i think that's the character's name um roy Beatty, oh these blade runner fans are gonna eat me up but uh (laughs) he gets to the end and he gives this great monologue about you know talking about all the things he's seen in his life Mm -hmm. all the things he's done and he's about to die and he compares all that all that he's experienced to tears in the rain and it's like one just poetic just the idea of like all of your memories all the things you were in awe of all the things you love hold dear when you die or just tears in the rain, they're going to just disappear. Yeah. And in that moment, you just feel for this, this Android who up to that point wasn't considered real human. And yeah. you just see that in that moment, he is human because like a human, he faces death. Yeah. And that's the most human thing you can do is face your own death and be aware of it. Yeah. And I think that ties over to Blade Runner 2049, which I also love because with Ryan Gosling's character, his arc kind of crescendos in a similar way where the whole time he's trying to discover, wait, am I, am I a replicant? It's kind of like the reverse, like, am I real? And then it, it ultimately he realizes, oh, wait, I'm not this special replicant that I thought I was. Yeah. And then that's actually the most human realization of all is to realize you're you're not this special thing mm. you're just normal mm. and that's yeah. how he ends his character arc mm-hmm. and it's yeah i love how blade runner finds humanity in these characters through like the the most normal mundane things that humans experience which is like death disappointment yeah and that's where they find their humanity yeah and i just really love that yeah that's awesome and now i have to follow that with um a comedy <laughs> scene. That, a comedy scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And I don't think I had connected those dots kind of from 
the first movie to 2049. Uh, that's super good, dude. Yeah. Just that idea that like what you're doing right now is the most human thing that yeah. you've ever done. And as you're dying, like I'm seeing your humanity yeah. like right in front of me. That's yeah. yeah. Roy character, Roy Batty played by uh Rector Hauer. I wanted to get that right for all the diehard Blade Runner fans. Yeah. I do love that film. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Uh, so I'm going to go with a scene from High Fidelity, actually. Um, I need to watch it. One of my favorite scenes in it, there is a scene where um, John Cusack, his uh, ex's new boyfriend, comes into his record store. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes in and asks them a question that's kind of like, they, they kind of all play pretentious record store employees who like know so much about music that anyone who comes in and asks them any question yeah. that they deem stupid, then they just kind of like berate them. Mm-hmm. And so this guy already has a mark against him because he's his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. Right, right. And so he comes in and asks a question. And without the movie telling you, it like gets way out of hand and like super hostile which is very, very strange for this point in the movie because until then, like the main character hasn't like done anything like that to hint to you that he's that kind of person. So it gets like crazy and then it cuts and you realize he's fantasizing about what he would do to this guy. Mm -hmm. And so it starts to go through like these different scenes of like how he would want to react or like how he would uh like want to beat this guy up or kill this guy or like gang up on him or kick him out of his store Mm. or whatever and he goes through all these scenarios imagining what he would like to say and what he would like to do and it cuts to what he actually does and like many of us right he kind of takes the chickens way out right and doesn't do anything you know that's what i would and but but the the fantasy is oh man it makes me laugh every time it's just so funny some of that stuff i gotta watch that and um yeah and then and then that final scene comes where you like they indicate that it's reality finally Mm -hmm. and he just kind of doesn't say anything and the guy asks the question say anything another john cusack film. another one he just kind of doesn't say anything and he doesn't kind of let him know how he really feels or kind of get that off his chest or anything which It's is. the reverse Larry David. Yeah, exactly. It's but it, it, to me, it's so relatable because it's just like, how many times have you gone home and been like, oh, I should have said, I should have done this or I should have mm-hmm. said this or I should have stood up for myself or, you know, this, that or the other. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that's, that's probably, that's a really, that's a, a favorite movie moment of mine. But uh, yeah. Doesn't, um, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Destroying the whole Whoa. set. Uh, doesn't Jack Black have like a really iconic scene? That's his first fidelity. That's his first like big movie. Yeah, I think I don't want to speak out of turn and say that's his first movie, but I think it may be his first. That's what movie. put him on the map. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he has a couple of really iconic scenes. That is one of them in my mind. Mm-hmm. That that one is like <laughs> he he's hilarious. Can you imagine scene. a universe where Jack Black? like never made it into movies like and how much don't, sadder that universe is i don't think i want to imagine a universe i was i was uh carly had never seen school of rock yeah like how did that dude happen? yeah we talked about this anna had never seen school of rock either. i don't understand how these people missed school of rock but she was watching it the other day and i 
I was like watching it, of course, thinking like, oh, man, I forgot how amazing, like this movie is yeah. just great. And then the end, whenever the, the kids are all playing together, I like was emotional for some reason. I wanted to like cry. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, it was like something has changed in my brain since I watched the movie last. And I was like, why is this hitting me on an emotional level? Well, not to get too far into School of Rock, but when I recently watched it with Anna, I was thinking... I've seen this movie so many times as a kid, but now that I'm watching it, all I can think of is how morally reprehensible what he's doing is. Like, yeah, you should not be doing that. But then I'm like, yeah. it's a movie. It's hilarious. Um, You're going on the ride to I'm a certain like, extent. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like, this, like, as someone who's like, who's been in in job situations where I had to like chaperone yeah. children yeah. and students, I'm like, this is no, you cannot do this. No, you can't. Kind of oh, interesting man. though how we didn't bat an eye like when it came out. Oh, when I was a kid, I was like, "Oh, let's go!" No, like, but nobody. It doesn't no seem like did. anybody was like. No. Everybody was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in on." I mean, this again, 100%. it's a movie. No one would do that in yeah. real life. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, um, yeah. Um, I have two more. So there's one I'd rather save for last. I have one more solid for okay. sure. Okay. Well, then I can come back to mine. Okay. So, um, another one that happened recently because i watched the movie for the first time mm -hmm. that i can't stop thinking about is in the verdict okay so it's a really iconic like courtroom drama movie right. which i hadn't seen before mm -hmm. made by Sidney lumet who directed um 12 angry men okay so it's one of his later films gotcha and there's this scene where basically the plot of the movie is it's this lawyer who is kind of like a bottom of the barrel lawyer. He just does like really easy jobs for quick money. Right. And so he gets this family that approaches him. It's this woman's sister and her husband. Mm -hmm. The sister has been left comatose because a doctor performed a surgery and something went wrong. Well, the sister wants to sue the hospital and the doctor for like malpractice okay. because the doctor gave her an anesthetic that they shouldn't have because she had like eaten prior and they knew that oh something like that like okay it's like the hospital should have known that she ate prior and should not have given her the anesthetic right. whatever gotcha and so he gets to this job and he's supposed to just settle settle with the hospital it's a it's a catholic hospital so he's supposed to like the catholic church is involved mm -hmm. so he gets it from a lawyer friend he's just like you just go you settle don't have to go to court. No one has to make a thing. You just get some easy money. Yeah. And so he goes to the hospital to visit his, you know, client who's comatose. Yeah. And he's just there to take some pictures. And then you can, there's this moment where he takes the pictures and it's, you know, an older movie. So they're Polaroids. So he takes a picture and the pictures fall from the camera. And they land on the bed where the woman is comatose on. Mm -hmm. And then you see him look at her. And you can see in his face, like, he's starting to realize how serious this is. Mm. And then it cuts to the Polaroids on the bed. And you watch in real time as the Polaroids develop. And then I start thinking, wow, this is a movie shot on film. Yeah. And I'm watching on film, film develop. Yeah. And so there's already that, like, really meta, like, oh, my gosh, like, film is magical. Mm -hmm. But then there's this another moment where, like, you're watching these, like, really, like, heartbreaking images develop of this comatose woman. Yeah. Who has no one to defend her. 
and you see him slowly piece together like I actually need to do more than settle. As the camera is developed, as the film is developing, yeah. he's awakening kind of to the yeah. idea that he's he needs yeah. To... So the the wow, Polaroids, the Polaroids kind of work as this visual metaphor for like him realizing like his feelings developing. Yeah. But then there's also like this really cool meta like film on film developing, yeah. and it's just one of those moments where it kind of took my breath away when I was watching. I was just like, yeah. And it's so simple too. Yeah. There's like nothing bombastic crazy about it it's just a static shot of these polaroids developing yeah on film wow that's and awesome I, I watched that for the first time in september and i haven't been able to stop thinking about it that's awesome and it's such a pivotal point in the movie too like it's not just like a throwaway like cool right gag or whatever right so that's one from the verdict check it out really good courtroom drama yeah i don't think i've seen that i'll have to look it up I think I rented it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Yeah, because I don't think I've seen that. Okay, my last one, and then we can end with yours. Okay. Um, My last one is the opening of There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah. So the scene where he is, like, mining by himself down in this deep hole, and he uncovers a spot with, like, some good color or something, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he wants to blow it up and like see what's inside of it. So he like gets a piece of dynamite, sticks it in there. He climbs, he like lights the dynamite. And this, the the tension of that part always gets me mm-hmm. where he lights the dynamite and yeah. then climbs up the ladder all the way out the hole. Yeah. And then he has his tools in a bucket and he's going to like pull the thing up the bucket, but it's yeah. too heavy. It won't come up. So anyway, he, the dynamite goes off. He starts crawling down, back down the ladder. And one of the rungs in the ladder comes off and he falls all the way down to the bottom of the hole. And so then he wakes up, comes to down in the bottom of this like deep, dark hole. Yeah. And he finds treasure down in the bottom of this hole, a giant piece of gold. And so then he puts it in his pocket. He climbs up the ladder and he gets all of his stuff and his leg is broken mm-hmm. like horribly. And he slides on his back across rock and like desert and thorns all the way back to the town. God knows how far and yeah. survives that and basically becomes rich off of this gold that he found. And I love that as the opening of the movie because I think it tells you everything that you need to know for the rest of the movie about the lead character. Yeah. Where it's like, this guy will do whatever it takes to get what's his. And like, I I think it's a great, uh, I think there are so many great movie. I think there are so many great moments in that movie about America, the idea of capitalism and like, what we're willing to do to each other to control one another and to kind of get what we think we deserve, even if we have to take it by force. Feeling entitled over things that like technically you shouldn't have any entitlement over. Yeah. But I I just love that scene because I think it tells you everything about the lead character that you need to know that it's like physically, like he doesn't care about like, physical harm or stuff that happens to him like he he will go through and do anything that it takes to 
to get what's his or what he, he feels drink your milk or what he feels like he's entitled to. Yeah. yeah so I, I really, really, I, just, I actually think that that's a, I think I would classify it as a Western. It's probably one of my favorite Westerns. Yeah. There's nothing better than being a film fan and just calling something that's not a Western. A, a Western. Western. <laughs> it's just the best feeling. You feel so great. Like it's Hell or High Western. Water. It's a, it's Western. a Western. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber. It's a Western. It's a Western. It's when a you Western. when you think about when you it, think about it. It's a Western. They yeah, actually yeah. kind of do wear like cowboy outfits. <laughs> well, and they are just kind of roaming around yeah, like they, nomadically. Did we, did we just make a? Is Dumb and Dumber a Western? <laughs> Wait, they kind of like. <laughs> Wait, hold up. It... Think about the ending of Dumb and Dumber and how like they get involved with these people's lives and then they just kind of ride off in the sunset. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude. Is, this... <laughs> Is Dumb and Dumber a Western? I think we just cracked it. They're like... Dumb and Dumber like, Think a of it, they're like these like really dumb Three Stooges virgin, uh, virgins. <laughs> virgins. Virgin, they probably are virgins. Yeah. Uh, versions of like a John Wayne protagonist coming into a, a already an unfolding drama mm-hmm. and then leaving. Yeah. Just riding off into the wow. sunset, did kind we of just, nomadic, just like did traveling we just around. Galaxy brain, Dumb and Dumber. I think we did. I think we might need to rewatch <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Oh man! Wow. Um, anyway, what I was going to say about there will be blood. The scene you mentioned, I just yeah. think it's a great opening because it doesn't rely on anything other than just the visual storytelling mm. and the inherent um, drama and conflict of that situation. Yeah. There's and no really dialogue. Just, yeah. Just pulls you in. Yeah. And like, uh, that's film at its truest form. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I just love that scene. Every time that movie starts, I just immediately am like, yeah, just I'm in. So I agree. So we yeah. have, we both have like a great movie opening. Hey, yeah. Yeah. There I we think go. at some point we should do like best movie endings because I'm kind of obsessed with movie endings. Oh, really? The, like I, I love a good movie ending. Hmm. I yeah. think everyone does. I think everyone does. <laughs> I think everybody no, but likes like, I really, for the ending of the movie really, to be good. No, but like I, I take special note of like how a movie ends. How it wraps everything up. Yeah. Because like you can just, there's stopping the plot versus like, obviously the plot has to stop, but like stopping it at the most right time that has like visual thematic significance, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, yeah. my final one. Okay. When I was thinking of this, I was thinking I have to include Star Wars because Star Wars is very important to me. Mm-hmm. My, it's very formative in my movie loving life. All right. But there's so much in Star Wars. The trash can scene. Yeah. <laughs> the there, compactors. That's actually a great scene. It is. Um, there's the original trilogy. There's the prequels. There's the, we all there's know the, the new prequels trilogy. are the best, right? And there's stuff from all three of those that I love. But I was like, if I had to pick one moment in Star Wars that like means a lot to me, at first I was going to go with the Darth Vader reveal and the fight between Darth Vader and Anakin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Sure. But the moment in Star Wars I think about a lot, and every time I watch it, like really stands out, yeah. is in, which is now episode four, A New Hope, but the original Star Wars is the binary sunset scene where Luke... Is oh, out man. on Tatooine. He's looking at the twin suns, mm-hmm. and John Williams' Force theme is playing. 
you know, and it just like, I think it really captures why Star Wars is important to young people mm-hmm. and people coming of age, because that scene specifically captures this idea of yearning mm-hmm. better than I think like most films. Yeah. And the force awakens does something similar where with Ray is on, um, Jakku and she's putting on the fighter helmet and she's watching, uh, a, uh, spaceship come through the sky and kind of like wanting to be that. They kind of do their own play. But in the original, like it comes at this moment where Luke is obviously yearning to do more than his farm boy existence. Yeah. He's about to be called on this adventure and him staring off in the sunset. is just this perfect moment of yearning that any young person can relate to. Man, talk about is, a beautiful scene too. Yeah. Just a beautiful scene. It's, you know, they're, they're actually filming in the desert. Yeah. It's very visceral. It yeah. takes place in a galaxy far, far away, but it feels real. Yeah. And it's just this moment of something that only film can do, which is just lock in on a character's face put some beautiful John Williams music below it mm-hmm. and all the emotions are there and nothing has to be said yeah. and you feel his yearning. And when you're a young person, like I was, when I watched it, I'm like, yes, I know what it feels like to think there has to be something more to life than the, the familiar environment I am surrounded by. Yeah. There has to be something more than the comfort and stability that I have grown up in and I'm yearning for an adventure. And I think that's why Star Wars is such a does such a good job of capturing young people, young young boys, young girls. Yeah. Because it really connects to the heart of someone going, there has to be more. Like I'm ready. Like I'm ready to leave home, be called onto this adventure. And it's just a magical moment. Like it, it, yeah. it gets me every time. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get off that planet. Yeah. You don't know what you're in for. You're yeah. over your head. But that's an important part of growing up is being over, like getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. But having that yearning. And yeah. I just love that that moment with the twin sons. And I love how, I hate to say it because people are going to hate me, but I love how in The Last Jedi, Luke's arc ends in the same spot. Yeah. And I love that. So. Yeah. That's really, really good. Do you have any honorable mentions? I have um, a couple. I have a couple honorable mentions. I would. I think I, I mentioned one of there. them at the top with contact. I love that mirror scene in contact. Yeah. Another one is uh, the ending to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> my gosh. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a special movie to me. Me it and my is, brother grew yeah. up watching it, yeah. and I love the very end where Charlie gives back the gobstopper. And all the other kids have been selfish and wanted to hide the secret. And Charlie gives it back. And I just love when he looks at Charlie or he looks at the gobstopper and he looks up at Charlie and he goes, and so shines a good deed in a weary world. And he goes, you did it, Charlie. And it makes me cry every single time. I cry every single time when he looks at Charlie and he says, you did it, Charlie. And he's like so happy and it's just, it's just so heartwarming. Oh, man. It's just, I love that moment. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, one of my honorable mentions is not a feel good at all. It's yeah. probably, uh, Ooh. And actually, as I was about to say it, another scene from the same movie that I think I like more mm. came to mind. Yeah. Um, 
it's the movie is Fury. Oh yeah, yeah. David Ayer. There's some great R. moments. R.I.P. David Ayer. Man, oh man, don't even get me started. I believe you can do it. You can do it, man. Oh, man, don't even get me started. But anyway, really, really like Fury. Yeah. And uh, there are two scenes. Well, there are a lot of scenes in it I love, but um, the dinner table scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. Is awesome, and it reminds me of. I don't know if you've seen um, Woman Under the Influence. No, the Cassavetes? Yeah, Cassavetes. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Um, there's a dinner table scene in there that's mm. like really, really good. And uh, it reminds me kind of that tension, obviously very different uh, like subject matter and kind of theme, but uh, the tension kind of around the dinner table of like mm-hmm. the family being yeah. there and feeling betrayed and all of that stuff. I think that that scene is awesome, but also just the ending scene, I think is amazing yeah. too. The, where they're, they're kind of last stand. Oh yeah. I, uh, really like that scene. And a great Shia performance. Dude. Don't even get me started Dude, again. I know Shia is a mess, but he is a mess. He's done some horrible things, but he is a really good in that actor. movie. Great uh, actor. man, uh, Oh, man, I don't even want to get started down this road. Yeah, the no. tax collector road. I haven't even seen it. I watched it, uh, but I don't. So I, we shouldn't go down that road. Uh, and another one for me. The reason I didn't put these in the original, like, three that we were doing was because yeah. they're so similar. But um, the plane crash scene in nineteen seventeen. Oh yeah, that uh, that scene where they walk through the like mm, cherry trees. Yeah come up on the house and then they see the planes fighting and then you know that was all in one take what (laughs) no way unbelievable are you kidding me yeah no that scene where he's dying like really that was it really gets me every time intense it's just like every time i'm like if it's on the tv or something Mm -hmm. because it's kind of been on like movie channels a little bit if it's I'll, i'll just turn it on sometimes and that scene i'll always like stop what i'm doing and like focus on that because the way that um the way that you kind of slowly realize as an audience the way he slowly realizes the severity of like the injury that he Mm -hmm. has had is it's like heartbreaking to realize it along with him because i feel like oftentimes in movies you'll like someone will something will happen to someone and you're like oh that's it for them like you can kind of feel that mm-hmm. it's like it but the way this movie did it was i feel like in the advertising and the trailers like they didn't hint that one of them would right die yeah. or not like they didn't really hint at that whatsoever well, like especially after that close call at the beginning of the movie in the mind in the like yeah tunnels. yeah yeah it was like it kind of felt like oh these guys are going to be in it together for a while and then that scene happens and you're like oh are we like what kind of movie are we watching yeah and then you slowly like realize along with the character, like, oh no, this is, yeah, this is bad. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to make it. Yeah. So yeah, that, that scene always really, really gets cuts yeah. deep. I did just remember one I had on my list. I'll use it as an honorable mention, Okay, but it's the uh, parachute jump and fallout. Where, oh uh, yeah. Where Tom dude. Cruise jumps yeah. Out the parachute yeah. And he has to catch up with a, uh, with a uh, Superman, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Dude. Man, oh I rem- man, I remember watching that in the theater with you, like knowing it's Tom Cruise, so that was real. Yeah, and just like grinning ear to ear, like this is oh, cinema, man. dude. 
This is cinema. Watching Tom Cruise literally jump out of a plane. I all in one shot. How are those movies? How are those movies so good? Like, but every time I watch, I rewatch that, and I've rewatched Fallout a couple times since it came out because Philip, it's probably the best action movie in the last like ten years. Philip that, Seymour Hoffman, best villain in oh, the, yeah. in in the Impossible series. Yeah, best but, villain uh, in Fallout, my opinion. Like. There's a lot of great set pieces. Dude, Fallout is But that one always gets awesome. me because like having it take place in one take, knowing it's like <laughs> actually like knowing, but you can tell they actually jumped out of that Something plane. Something that's so funny. Yeah, I agree. It just it just the intensity is Something next that's level. so funny about that movie to me is at the end I was like I, this is impossible. <laughs> this literally, Tom Cruise is literally were, doing impossible things. They were like, they were like trying to solve the problem of how they're gonna like shut the bomb off. Yeah, and I'm like, they're just going to this mountain town, and they don't even know how they're gonna disarm it yet. Yeah, and I'm like, this is this is impossible. I'm yeah. like, this feels hopeless. Like as an audience member, I was like, I don't know how we're gonna pull this off. Yeah. And then it's titled Mission Impossible, but I didn't think it'd literally be an impossible it was, mission. That was of all the movies, I feel like that maybe was the most impossible mission. <laughs> yeah. That's how they should have sold it. Yeah. No, this one's really the impossible. most impossible mission yet. Yeah. Oh, I love those movies. We should have a whole nother thing about those. Yeah. Um we just go through yeah. one by one. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was, was a lot awesome. of great. And like, there's probably going to be a million other movie moments we think of, but yeah. we can do this again. We can revisit it. Yeah. Um, those are off the top of our heads. And for those listening who want to, you can leave a comment or reach out to us somehow and let us know what your favorite movie moment is. Yeah. Maybe it's something we forgot. Maybe it's something we haven't seen and you can expose it to us for the first time, but we'd really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So again, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on any podcast app. Um, subscribe, rate us on Apple. I don't think you can rate on Spotify, but write a review. Write a review. You know what? Just when you're going about your day, let someone know about professional appreciators. <laughs> yeah, just say, "Hey, yeah. I heard this thing." Harass someone in line. Or Have on you the ever bus. heard of this movie? <laughs> yeah, this random movie. Yeah. For Have those you of you watching on YouTube, you're probably like. I didn't realize listening on audio that Andrew talks with his hands so much. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Do uh, do what we do to each other constantly, where whenever we see each other, we just say, have you seen this movie? Have you seen this movie? Have you seen that movie? That is actually just how you and I start all of our conversations. Yeah, we don't even say hi. We just are like, hey, I watched this this weekend. What yeah. do you, I just you I show it? up to some place where I know you're at, and I just like walk up to you and you're like, hey, did you see the latest <laughs> Succession episode? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all we talk about. We were on Fistful of Dollars the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I need to finish that trilogy. Yeah, me too. I was thinking that maybe we should watch it together. Maybe we we should right now. Let's end this. (laughs) Let's end this and go watch uh, the rest of the trilogy. All right. Well, this has been Professional Appreciators. We'll see you next time. Bye.